1: Wheelhouse DNA. Hi, everyone. My name is Boya Kolade, and I'm Chris Sartell. And welcome to the Future Forecast, a podcast where we explore the intersection between business, technology, and entertainment. If you don't know me, I'm the co-founder and president of the Future Party, which is a community-based media company for creative professionals. We have a daily newsletter where we talk about culture and technology, and we also host a ton of different community events across the country.
0: And I'm the co-founder and CEO of Crosscheck Studios a Gen Z media company built by Gen Z for Gen Z.
1: At the Future Party, we are so proud of the business and the community we've built, so we had the idea to create this show to dissect and explain some of our most interesting stories. Today, we're looking ahead. We're going to talk about the rise of the chief AI officer in corporate America, how a company is letting you design and 3D print your own sneakers, and what Smartless, selling for $100 million, says about the podcast ecosystem.
0: But first, let's catch up.
1: Let's catch up. Huh. Let's
0: catch up together. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I went for that it. That was great. Uh yesterday was fun. Oh man. Thanks for the invite to the Amazon music party. You know? How, why wouldn't I invite you? Are you kidding? <laughs> From Sundance to Grammy party? I just want to have just a story section of just like me and you at every different party around the world. <laughs> you know, the the event was fun.
1: Against the backdrop of the Grammys this weekend, yeah, uh, I'm so curious. There's a lot of music news in the world. Like literally just last night, this Universal thing.
0: I I think this is crazy.
1: Yeah, Universal wrote a note to TikTok that they're pissed. They're only getting one percent of value from. I'm paraphrasing from TikTok through their music, so they're gonna take their music off the platform, which I think is interesting because. You know, a couple of years ago, everyone's like, "Oh, TikTok's the future of music. Like,
0: it makes everything viral." Blah blah yeah. blah. And it doesn't seem that way. My immediate reaction when seeing it was, "You know what? I got to hand it to Universal. I think that's a really fair point. They're they're not doing it for the artists, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a really fair point to see and acknowledge." I went, "Man, that TikTok's asking for too much." Well, so this is this is what Universal said
1: tiktok accounts for only about one percent of our total revenue so ultimately tiktok is trying to build a music-based business without paying fair value for that music so i think they're just like it's so it's so small why do i even why do we even
0: care oh they're playing hardball bullshit Then on that on that yeah
1: and i think it's kind of weird because even if it was tiktok is still responsible for breaking artists for building musicians every tiktok sound is a top 100 hit there you go all right so uh let's get into the first topic of the day so let's get into it the rise of the chief ai officer i can't
0: i can't <laughs> i so can't right
1: now well it's a thing the biggest new role in corporate america apparently is that of the chief ai officer or the caio I'm never saying this. <laughs>
0: C-A-I-O.
1: It makes me want to say chow. If only it was spelled like it. I can't do this right now. <laughs> the cow. <laughs> uh, from healthcare to consumer goods, many companies are implementing this job. It makes sense.
0: AI, does it make sense?
1: Well, yes and no. It makes sense that there are roles emerging specifically focused on AI. You know, it, does it make sense that it is like in the C-suite? I think TBD, you know, like, look, I've said this a lot. I feel like the AI revolution is like the printing press. It's, it's fundamentally changing humanity and we'll see what that means for the future. But AI touches everything. Yeah. So I'm like, does the CAIO, is they are they more powerful than the CFO than the COO? If,
0: if every system is now going to be reliant on AI. Wouldn't they roll up to them though? I think from an organizational perspective, if AI is one component of your business. So, look, I think that your question
1: about rolling up is very important. I think to start, yes. Right? Um, Because at the end of the day, they're just there to help an organization navigate the risks of AI, to implement the technology and current systems. But I feel
0: as AI proliferates, I could see them... having the power. Are the roles defined though? I mean, in your corporation, it sounds like you would say if you were building it out, you would have your, I'm just going to call it the chow, oversee all of your AI and roll up into you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that makes complete sense. Um, or the COO because the COO is, you know, traditionally operational, Mm -hmm. right? I think I struggle with, do they need to be in the C suite? Like, can they just be like, I'm head of AI and I report to the head of operation?
0: And that's why I ask, because similarly, and I mean this respectfully to anyone that is going into this role, it feels like HR for AI. Mm. The rules and regulations and the insurances that as our AI systems are being implemented and and interfacing with our employees, there are protections and protocols in place to ensure that we have a real safety net so that i'm not creating the next skynet over here you know i mean yeah i think it makes sense you know
1: one thing that's uh i was actually as you were talking pulling up uh do you remember during the strikes there was this huge news that netflix had an ai manager role worth nine hundred thousand dollars or something like that No, yeah so um during the strikes last summer netflix listed the job for a position in machine learning it was a machine learning product manager and they were willing to compensate somewhere between three hundred thousand to nine hundred thousand dollars which is wild and netflix traditionally pays top of the market mm-hmm. but i can see these roles paying bank i'm very curious about does the ai person need to be technical like do they need to be an engineer or are they like a manager and they just need to understand the systems and how things operate and blah, 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 but it feels like it's moving towards this is like the new thing. This is the new social media manager.
0: Well, I think right? it's dependent on how big your team is, right? Or how, how, what the expectation True. would be for the team and the allocation for said team. Mm-hmm. Depending on how big a company is, they might say, hey, we're bootstrapping and then at that point you probably would want someone that has the capability of both engineering and the understanding of engineering, but also managing it and deploying it accordingly. Yeah. So here's a here's funny stat.
1: Glassdoor data shows that in 2022, there were 19 CHAOs, CAIOs, and uh, f- from then to 2023, there's 122. So I'm, I'm interested to see what 2024 looks like. And you were asking whether big or small, right? So it, it, of course, makes sense if it's a big organization, but what do startups do? Like I feel like everyone just needs to understand AI, or is it
0: fundamentally that you need someone if it's like a 10-person company? But- Okay, hot take. What does this person do? As we get bigger and bigger, as corporations build and build and build, and we get buzzwordy moments or pop culture moments that we have to have answers to or responses for, we start creating roles, titles. It becomes a whole thing like, hey, here's a title for you. Here's a title for you. Just ha ha ha. We need to like have a response and have the ability to forward-facingly to, to the rest of the world say that we're handling it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times at least in my experience, sometimes people just get the title and they don't do frick all. (laughs) Like, what do you do all day? Yeah. People are awarded titles, but at the end of the day, we get so hung up on titles that it's ultimately about what we do, not what we call ourselves. It's go by what I do, not what I say. It's tough because you do have to, in an organization, you do have
1: to define roles. Of course. But I also struggle with, does everyone need to be a chief something? Right. Does that need to be like the C-suite has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, you know? And so, I mean, we'll see, what do they do? They're managing the AI systems. And so I think that's kind of why I asked earlier, do we feel that they have to be an engineer who's technical? Cause that feels like it makes sense. They're implementing totally. things. They're connecting the dots. A lot of some CEOs really know how to put together software as well. Um, but I, you know, there is a world where people can just hide behind this position too. And just
0: be like, I know AI. And you know. I think it only triggered me because it's one of those things where if I can say to any of our listeners, I think for such a long time, I looked at his title. I looked at titles and thought, I can't do that job until I get that title. Mm. And I was always waiting for someone else to tell me that I was allowed to do it. And I realized I'm already doing it. Yeah. Why am I waiting for someone else to give me permission to do it? I'm already doing this thing. All right. I'm already doing it. This is the type of thing that I do. I love that. I've always said,
1: you know, when people come to ask for an advice, and this is a a side tangent from AI, but it's like work for the job you want, not the job you have. So yeah, I love it. Well, we should talk about the next topic. Let's talk about it. So there's a German footwear startup called Zellerfeld. They create 3D-printed shoes customized to fit your feet, and it's growing in a big way. They are, quote-unquote, democratizing sneaker design. Here's how it works. Designers can send their sneaker concept to Zellerfeld's Discord channel, where the company will consider development. Once the concepts are fleshed out, the shoes added to the website, and the designer pays a discounted price for pairs that they will use as promotional samples. Really unique, weird sort of concept. but. In an odd way, totally disrupting the sneaker industry. Because what it's doing is is essentially empowering designers on a manufacturing level to print, 3D print and sell shoes, where traditionally several years ago, you'd have to like have a manufacturer and you know, do these crazy deals and put enough money up front. And now I feel like this empowers a designer to be just as powerful as these major shoe corporations. Yeah.
0: What's cool about this is you don't have to be a celebrity or you don't have to be a fully well-known individual. You can go out, experiment, have someone else help you create a shoe. I don't, I'm curious if you own the design, that's what I'll be curious about. If we do, a, I'll have to do some more reading on it. I think
1: either way, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's similar to like the traditional model. Right. So if you were to go to a manufacturer, you'd have to like get it patented, have access to the original mold, you know, so on and so forth. So I, I would be surprised if Zellerfeld gets all of the IP, that would just be like weird
0: because really anyone can 3D print shoes. Right. The clarity is, is that the designer gets 60% and then the manufacturers Zellerfeld gets 40%. Yeah. Backend royalties from total sales. In perpetuity though, I guess what I'm curious about is say you help this person create their shoe, bring it to life, really fully build it out. And they love it.
1: Yeah.
0: They want to go take that shoe and then fully make it at mass scale. Are you still getting a, a, a still getting a royalty on that? I mean,
1: it makes sense. I think whether in perpetuity or not, I think it's smart. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're saying we're like, we're allowing you to mass distribute in this capacity. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes sense. And I think what's interesting though, too, is even though Zellerfeld is working with these, uh, younger nascent designers, they've also done big deals. They've actually already worked with fashion giants like Louis Vuitton and, uh, Moncler and they act they were commissioned by Kanye for easy season nine. Oh wow. You know? And, and so these people have been in the mix for a while. And I think now they're just kind of having a coming out party for, the masses. How do you think Nike and Adidas and New Balance are going to react to this?
0: It's a great question. No different than how they're already doing it. They've already been squeezed and they're constantly trying to figure out ways to stay relevant. It's just continuing to do collabs. So in something like this, say a shoe line were to get cool or get to be gobble it up, do a collab, combine the two, buy them out if it really becomes a threat. But for the most part, so much of what they're doing is in that cross-collaboration or or exclusive line. Uh, I look at it now, like a new Nike shoe is available every week. They're doing five different drops. Mm -hmm. And they're really just, at this point now, it just seems like Nike goes, hey, you want a Nike shoe? Come on in. You're going to market it all for us. We'll help you a little bit. Yeah, But, you know. Well, what I think this does is...
1: You know the giants will still be around, but I I feel like it empowers new brands, new yeah. passionate brands, and I'm really just thinking also about these designers. So like you have a, like a Salehi Benbury who is really popping right now. He has partnerships with Crocs, New Balance, and his shoes are really really good. Something like this, he doesn't even need to work with those people. Yeah. He can just he can be the brand, you know, and I think that's, in my opinion, the power that Zellerfeld is is giving to these designers. Is we might have new passionate empires
0: overnight. Look at Big Baller Brand. I mean, people give so much shit to the dad, but do people wear those shoes? I've never seen anyone wear. Big listen, Baller listen. Brand. Do, do people wear those shoes? Probably not, whatsoever. <laughs> I think people probably collected them. Yeah, but. The Mello family, I mean, I'll put it out there brilliant yes, businessman. Yes. No being one, extremely yeah. smart with how he's making punches, call, saying outlandish things. Yeah. All for the effect of, of, of great marketing.
1: Yeah. No one knew who the Ball family was until he, you know, started spouting whatever he was spouting. So TLDR, mixed controversy and 3D design, printed shoes, and you'll make a lot of money. Smartless sells for one hundred million dollars. Ooh, I.
0: By the way, I have it on a cord that it, that it went for a lot higher. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I can't say the number, but I hear that it went for. That is not the number. Okay. Which I was like, what?
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come back to the number because I want to hear the number you heard. But before we get into that, maybe some context. Uh Smartless is a big celebrity interview podcast hosted by Will Arnett, Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes, and allegedly has been sold to Sirius XM for a reported 100 million dollars. So what number did you hear?
0: I didn't get an actual put it this way. OK. When we were talking about it at the Grammy party, it was indicated to me, "Oh, you think it went for a 100?" No, 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 no. It went for a lot more. Interesting. And I assure you that, like, there was ball being played. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sirius definitely pulled out all the stuff. Well, I
1: I wonder if it'll come out, or I wonder if some of that's, like, back-end stuff, because I feel like they wouldn't risk getting it wrong like that. But I I think, to me, what's interesting is, whether 100 million or not, the nine-figure... Yeah, deal. Even eight figures, right? A previously, Amazon had exclusive rights to the show. Uh, and the deal was valued at around 60 to $80 million. And so it's interesting because several years ago, Joe Rogan, Caller Daddy, these huge, you know, deals were happening in the podcast space. And recently, people have been talking about how they're not working, they're a waste of money. But, like, I mean, this... Some, there's
0: a there, there, right? If they're selling for $100 million. Well, not everyone is a Titan like Smartless. We should be very clear on that, right? There is a, we are, as we are on a podcast recording one, there is a saturation in the market, right? It's not that there's oh so many, but it's a matter of it's very difficult to launch a podcast now more than ever. And when launching one or purchasing one, you have to find the right IP. To actually acquire. Yeah. I think Alex Cooper, right place, right time. I don't know how it happened, but it seems like Alex Cooper's life cycle, not trying, like not throwing shade, but I think that's why the Unwell Network came out. Mm-hmm. They were trying to find new ways to spin her off, to build out and like have her repeat with Alex Earl. That's why that's happening. Yeah, uh, uh, That's at least what I've heard as to why the, the mathematics of that were to occur.
1: Well, well, you speak about mathematics and this is where I kind of have an issue Nine figures is a lot, and <laughs> but like podcasts make money from advertising. Do we yeah. really feel they're going to make a hundred million dollars back in advertising? Well,
0: let's let's talk about what they make the money on because that's that is for Sirius to own it outright. Yes, so they make it on merch. Uh, they make it on advertising. Okay, so it's like a
1: three hundred and sixty deal, not full just-
0: three hundred and sixty. And the the talent individually have deals implemented with Sirius. And so if they're owning the entire IP of Smartless, they have to obviously have, here's how much we've sold in merch. Here's how much we've sold in touring. Here's how much we've sold in advertising. And they are catering to a different audience. They really hit the demo of that 35 year old and up demographic that does still listen to radio. I'm glad you brought that up because this is a
1: radio deal. Yeah. Right, So we're now blurring the lines between podcast and radio show. And I, part of me wonders, because w- one could see this and be like, podcasts are you know going nowhere. They're, we're right. going to see more nine-figure deals, eight-figure deals. Or is no. it because Sirius is just a radio
0: conglomerate and they're doing something a little bit different? I think it's totally that. I mean, Howard Stern is still on Sirius, if I'm not mistaken. It's Sirius XM, right? They combined. Yeah. Yep. You have... Howard Stern, you now have Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, John Mayer. I mean, these are people that very much are millennial and up audiences. Mm-hmm. I actually, humble brag, I was playing golf with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman. And What a humble yeah, brag. Yeah, you know, I just oh got to throw God. it out there. And you could tell that they very much were experimenting or exploring, like, where if where they would land or what they would do educating themselves on the space of podcasting, mm. uh, without an Amazon or without someone else doing all of your yeah. cutdowns, et cetera. So we're talking about it. And what's so interesting to me is Will had joked, he, he literally had said, well, we're not, we're not doing the, I happened to be with Josh Richards, my business partner, one of the biggest Gen Z stars in the world. And he was joking he was saying, well, we're not getting the ads you guys are doing. We're doing the sleep number ads. We're doing the, the, we're doing all the promos for the people at home sleeping, you know? Yeah. And it was it, very, very much a clear indication. Like that is who serious is going after. And yeah. how many big podcasts are available or have deals coming up? They're the only one, mm-hmm. the only true one. Yeah. But I think the other question is like, has it also tapped out? Like they've already interviewed every huge guest. The tour was the coolest thing. Yeah. Well, you could say that for any
1: late night show day show, like, right? Great, That's 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 a great. Sometimes they'll bring people back. There was all. There's always new celebrities and et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it's interesting. We've been talking about radio and so on and so forth. But there's a podcast graveyard. There's there's some big shows that haven't worked. We've got stolen heavyweight reply all archetypes with Meghan Markle. The interesting thing about all of those deals is one of the biggest reasons is because it was. Getting to a point where they couldn't actually recoup the costs of podcast. So when we talk about these eight nine figure deals, I think that's where maybe yeah maybe it is maybe radios just does something differently. Why this makes sense or not, but I th- I just find that really interesting.
0: I think there's something to be said though strategically. You know, we have seen this countless times where a company wants to make a big splash and make it well known that they're investing. In yes. something, yes. right? 100%. And so there is an argument to be said that you splash so much and that you believe in this thing. And then, then they start getting more and more phone calls. Wow, Sirius has money. We gotta start calling them. Why didn't I get this one? So then you start getting an influx of, of yeah. new inquiries. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that as well, right? This
1: could be making a statement. And the question is if it isn't the business model. Who else can afford to make a statement right
0: now? We don't know where they are in their current lifespan, but is this a catalog play where they're continuing to build and build and build because they're going to try to sell at some point Mm -hmm. and, you know, go be bought by a Amazon, Spotify, Netflix. Time will tell. What time is it? Hot take time! Hot time! (laughs) (laughs) Hot take time. Hot. Would you like an, a cappuccino before your hot take?
1: Hot hot tea with hot takes.
0: Yes. <laughs> hot tea with hot takes. Hot tea
1: with hot takes. We got to keep this parted.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: All right. Hot take. I think I went first last time, so. Oh. You do the honors. Any of wait, wait, ideas. sorry. Actually, I just remembered... I got to point out that your hot take
0: last week did not come true. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've never seen Boye more happy in my life. Because you've been crushing us. This, not- this, this is, this is, this is, this is, disgusting. This is blasphemous, sir. You give one hot take, you look out for the little man, and you say, you know what? It would be nice to see Lamar Jackson and frickin' the Detroit Lions actually do something for once. Yeah, Did I think they would? Did I actually think no? It was a close game. Yeah, but I mean, it was a close game. Yeah, but 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 when I saw it you come to the half, you're like, the Niners are gonna, yeah, Kyle Shannon's gonna figure it out. Also, it was it was the Ravens to lose. It was the Ravens to lose. It
1: was the Ravens to lose. Got to give got to give Mahomes props. I will say I'm I'm rooting for the Niners because I I, Purdy, but if Mahomes wins, I'm
0: not mad. <laughs> I love that. I'm rooting for the Niners no no definition you just went Purdy that's Brock Purdy for anyone that's not aware of who Purdy is I just loved how he just like became like almost like a verb and a noun all at the same time Purdy so what's your hot take Uh, I, I my hot t- Justin Bieber is making it the Super Bowl and he is going to dance on that stage right next to Usher with Usher with Usher ooh I like that I would love to see that happen I'm just saying because I want to see that happen and I know it's like you know not to be a futurist today I'm just I'm going for it guys and I'm just saying that I, I could use some beebs in my life. Yeah, I like Biebs. Uh, okay, well, I would love to see that, so I'm not
1: going to contest that. Yeah! <laughs> That's my little John impression, because he will also be on that stage. That's true. Um, well, I might take it a little bit more uh, futuristic, business-minded for with my hot take <laughs> today. Um, Ouch. Ouch. Byron Allen just offered Paramount Global a really decent... I would say good deal compared to what else is being offered to Cherry Redstone right now. He has, (laughs) I mean, I mean, how much did he offer? He offered to buy it for, I believe 14 billion. Oh, I thought it was 30 billion. Well, if you include the debt, it equals somewhere around 30 billion. So he's offering to cover their debt and to purchase. That sounds like a killer deal. It sounds like a killer deal, especially compared to what the whispering has been. And I don't think he's going to get it for those of you who don't know, Byron Allen owns the Weather Channel. He's been around the media space for a while, and he's been making a name for himself slowly but surely. Yes. And a lot of people really look at him because he is maybe one of the only black leaders in sort of the media space.
0: Why do you think that they won't won't sell them?
1: i I think I think there's powers that be the establishment, they, that, they I don't know.
0: I feel stay. like,
1: <laughs> I feel like he's been held back for, for a while, you know? And I, I, I don't want to like throw the, the, the racism card or whatever, but the, it's just, I don't know. Something in my gut is just that he's not going to end up with the company.
0: I'm paraphr. If I may reiterate it in a different way, it sounds like there's a boys club that he's, there's yes. a boys club that Byron's not in.
1: That's a great way to put it. Boys club, whether racism or not, color, ego, behavior, there's a boys club. Or a person's club
0: for the ladies listening.
1: I love that. When you look at who owns these mega corporations, they all look the same way. Yeah. So I'm rooting for him because I think it would mix it up. I think it would be a massive paradigm shift to traditional media, corporate America, but my gut
0: says he's not going to get it. It'll be a shame if that doesn't happen. Yeah. Anyways, uh
1: <laughs> great episode. Uh, thank you for listening to future forecast brought to you by Boye and Chris like, and subscribe wherever you find podcasts and we'll catch you next week. Catch you on the flippity flop. The Future Forecast is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for ACAST. Our executive producers are me, Boye Koloday, along with Fanny Baudry, Cassie Berman, and Leah Sutherland. Our audio producer is Kiara Noni. Our audio engineer is Matthew Blocka. Our editor is Nick Kursimi. The podcast is hosted by yours truly, Boye Koloday, and Chris Sautel. Thanks for listening and see you next time.